Welcome to Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast. I am Josue Cardona with Kelly Dunlap, and we are finally, finally weighing in on loot boxes. Yes. Oh, oh, I've got so many, I've got so many thoughts and feels. Give me, I'm give so me excited. one, give me one thought and one feel. Oh my goodness. Okay. So thought, this is a moral panic. Get over yourselves. And feel is, Sarah, emotional word, emotional word, emotional word. Um... Oh my god, since when can I not think of an emotion word? <laughs> um, irritated, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say be. annoying is annoying an emotion. Annoyed, uh, yeah. annoyed for a lot of reasons, which I'm which I'm sure we're going to get into. Okay. So so uh, lo- by loot boxes, what do we mean? Because I think that that is part of the conversation. L- like in any heated conversation, people are talking about different things sometimes. They're not always talking about the same thing. So so when people say loot boxes, what are you thinking of? Well, for this example in particular, I'm thinking about the loot boxes from the new Star Wars game mm-hmm. where you can find these these uh, boxes that contain some kind of prize in them. It's a you don't know what it is until you open it type of thing. And you could get something really cool or you could get something really lame, but you, you always get something. And you can you can pay to unlock more more loot boxes to increase your chances of finding uh, better, cooler stuff. So that's what I'm thinking about in this case of loot boxes is basically coming across or intentionally buying an, an unknown and then unlocking it to find out what is inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I think of when when I think of loot boxes. And Star Wars Battlefront 2 had a... So there are games where... You earn them, right? This is one of them. You can earn them by just playing the game. And you get stuff, but you can't you can't see what you're getting. And that is so common now in so many games where I can't remember the last game where I Well actually, so I'm playing um Animal Crossing Pocket Camp right now. And with the in-game currency, you can go into a store and you see what you can buy. And I'm like, okay, I want to use a thousand bells and I'm gonna buy this t-shirt. And I got a thousand bells, I'm gonna buy these these funky glasses. So that is not a loot box, right? Like, I know what I'm getting. A loot box would be if it was a mystery box, right? And then I pay the thousand bills and I have no idea what I'm going to get. And I think I think most games are doing that now. I can't think of a big popular game that that doesn't have some sort of loot box in them. And and I have, I have, I have feelings about that too, but I think that a big part of the discussion, and I'm curious, you said that, um, like get over yourself and, and you're annoyed. Is it, <laughs> is it the, the comparison to it being some sort of gambling that, uh, that is, I think that's the, the big controversy. There, I mean, there's a lot going on, um, in this one situation. So on, on one hand, there is the pushback against having, uh, in-app purchases or in-game purchases for a $6 game that gamers in generally tend to really, really dislike. And my irritation with that is either raise the price of video games so developers can actually get paid or deal with these in-game purchases because you can't have your cake and eat it too. The irritation I have with Star Wars in particular is that it's almost a pay-to-play scenario. So in, in short, what that means is you can pay money to get better stuff. And that is similar in a lot of games. I know Halo 5 has it a lot too with their rec packs is you can use actual real money to buy rec packs. And, you know, of course, just through probability, the chances that you're going to get something cool go up the, the more that you buy. And that's that to me is it's bothersome. Like, I don't I don't mind the mystery aspect of, of loot boxes. I think that's kind of fun and creative. But what I don't like is that through 
pure chance someone can get a strategic leg up on me. And so that's another conversation that that's going on. And then uh, entirely separate is the this idea that these loot crates are or loot boxes are are gambling. And I have a lot, a lot of feelings um, about that as well. So those are just kind of like the three main issues that are all being kind of compressed into this one storm of of ridiculousness around Star Wars Battlefront 2. So the the loot boxes and the ret packs in, in Halo you feel did have a pay-to-win aspect. Or they did, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because if, if you can pay to get more packs and the content of those packs can give you a tactical advantage more than, say, like an aesthetic advantage, then yes, if you're willing to drop $100 on rec packs, and I know people who have, you know, the chances that you're going to get that awesome, you know, rocket launcher or, you know, be able to call in more heavy vehicles, that directly impacts how you perform in in the game and and what it means for everybody else who's playing. Yeah, I remember that being pretty messed up. Uh, I, I've forgotten about that. Um, and they've been doing those since Halo Four or just in Halo Five. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> remember. Sure. I don't remember because I agree. Right, that's a big deal. And people in in Star Wars Battlefront Two, they they complained about it enough because to a point, it's not as egregious as other games. Like Halo is one example, but there are other games where it's really bad. You can essentially like level up faster by mm-hmm. by paying money. Right, pay to win is is something that has been around for for many games and some games don't shy away from that but in star wars battlefront it was like yeah you can get all these things without paying money but it will take you forever it'll take you so so long to do it and then or you can pay now to ea's credit or or you know them just being smart and defensive they canceled all microtransactions in the game so you can't actually buy the loot boxes when when the game came out because they had a pre-release window and then they took that out, which is another like fascinating part of the story because the game was essentially out for pre-purchase uh, for like three or four days. And when the game was officially out, they were like, oh, no, no, no. People are mad about this. Let's let's stop. And, yeah. and to huh? put that in perspective, like the actual number to unlock all of the content in, Battle, in um, sorry, Battlefront 2 is 4,528 hours. Of, of gameplay that you would need to do to be able to unlock everything. And so I just did the math really quick. That's 181 days, 181 yeah, yeah. days, uh, like 24 hours a day of playing this game to get all all the content. Now, if the, again, if this is just aesthetic stuff, like, oh, I can have a flower on my helmet or I can get a blue instead of a green lightsaber, that's one thing. But we're talking about content that is core to the game's playability. And that is, to me, a huge problem. Yeah, and and so those numbers came out beforehand, and and that's kind of what made them stop. And again, they also changed those numbers. I don't know what they are now. So they reduced the requirement for for all of the the loot boxes because it was just it was that bad, right? Like what you just said is absurd. There's no way that anybody could possibly, if you wanted to get all the content, there's no way you could do it without you know, paying un- unless you wanted to keep playing until no one else was playing anymore. <laughs> like you're still, you're still playing until Battlefront three comes out and you're still trying to get <laughs> the last collectible <laughs> in Battlefront two. Right. That is, that is not uh, okay. So they changed and, all that stuff. 
And it's been and really I- interesting to hear game uh, companies recently making these changes in response to to consumer backlash. And it's one of those things that, oh, well, you know, you don't have to get all the content. Like, if you want all of it, that's on you. But I think it's important to understand that for some people, completion is a is a huge driving force for playing a game. Trophies. Yeah, for me, I I could care less, but I know a lot of people where it's a source of pride and it's it's one of the ways that they get enjoyment out of the game. And so to make something that is a core driver for a lot of your audience so inaccessible without paying money seems, it seems underhanded. Yeah, and and I mean, specifically in Star Wars, it's like you can't even play as Luke or Darth Vader without putting in tons and tons of time or, or money. And the the money part of the of the loose uh, the loot boxes, uh, see it's like it's multiple conversations because if you're telling me okay I need to play 180 days to to be able to get enough credit to buy the stuff that I need and then be able to get loot boxes to get the things that I need that is that is a pain right but it's it seems achievable but some loot boxes you can play for 180 days you can pay a thousand dollars and still never get everything you want because it's all random and it's possible that you never. You never get it. And I hear those aspects in the conversations a lot. And I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that exactly, other than it's, it's a way for, to to entice people to, to try again. And there is a fun aspect to the randomness of it. And I think in general, I kind of, I disagree with the idea that it's gambling because you're always getting something right. When, uh, when you, when you go and you gamble with, with, with real money, hoping to get a lot more money your odds are very, very, very low that you're ever going to get anything in return, let alone the big jackpot that you're, that you're looking at. But with the loot box, like, you know that you're going to get something. You're going to get even a few somethings. Like I love um, Overwatch, I think, does it really well, where it's all cosmetic. And I've, I've spent a good $10, $15 on loot boxes in Overwatch because they have really cool skins. And I'm like, hey, I want, I want one of those. I want to try. And they're seasonal. And you know you get at, um, four things every time you get a loot box. And it's a surprise. But it's not I – I don't feel necessarily cheated. Although we'll talk about Emoji Blitz in a second, but I want to hear your take. <laughs> So I guess to kind of to wrap up the first part is EA did something douchey. They kind of sort of fixed it like, okay, fine. And but the, the, you're right. The larger conversation, at least that I've seen, has been around this idea that loot boxes are gambling. And so full, full disclosure, neither of us are lawyers. <laughs> um, and I, I certainly do not claim to be. But I, I did do some research for... Uh, leading up to this podcast about, you know, well, what it, what is the definition of gambling? And I think there's this idea that somehow gambling is un- illegal or somehow universally illegal, and it's not, uh, at least not in the United States. And so the the content that I was reading, uh, there was a Forbes article that was pushing a back pushing back against the idea that, you know, in with loot boxes, you always get something. Therefore, it's not gambling. You know, that's what Josue said. That's been kind of the line by EA. That's also been the line by the Entertainment Software Association, uh, pushing it back against this idea that it's gambling. And in the Forbes article, it said, well, you know, if, uh, you know, you, if you get two cherries lined up, you still get something. And even if you don't get any money back, you still get to watch the wheels spin and pull the lever. Oh, I hate that quote. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> that's... Okay, so here's to me. Here's the difference. So gambling, 
Gambling that is typically considered okay tends to be around games of skill. So that's why one reason that poker, for example, it's okay to participate in poker tournaments and things like that. Um, and this is all IRL because online gambling is a whole different can of worms. So there's no skill in a slot machine at all. You you could argue that you have to find the loot box, which sometimes can be really challenging, or go through enough encounter, encounters to trigger one, or explore different spaces to find one. So it's not entirely just, I'm going to push my, my triangle button or my X button until something happens, um, which I think is... Uh, part of the gambling issue that they're that they're not getting. And not to mention that when you're gambling at, say, like a slot machine, you're not engaging in any meaningful way. Whereas at least in a game, if you are finding loot boxes, you're doing other things in between it. You know, you're not just repetitively hitting that lever to get that to get that reward. So that's one thing that that bothers me. Another is that we we love surprises. Like humans like surprises. And I think if you wanted to quantify loot crates as gambling, then you would also have to qualify like Hatchimals as gambling and and Pokemon card decks as gambling and and even like Puppy Surprise. Uh, if anybody out there remembers the old 90s toy where you got a dog and you could open up her stomach and pull puppies out, which sounds totally gruesome, but was all the rage. And sometimes you get three puppies and sometimes you got four. And if you were really lucky, you got five. And all of these transactions require money and the chance of getting something, but we don't see them as gambling. Uh, so I I think... So I saw a definition that said, that said uh, for something to be considered gambling, the classic definition is risking something of value on an unknown outcome. And- In that case, Puppy Surprise is gambling. And, and so are Pokemon card decks. And so are Hatchimals. I went to Target the other day and there was a whole section of blind boxes. Yes! Right? And so, so people. Wait, for, for those who don't know, what's a blind box? So, blind box is easier to explain than your your puppy thing, uh, <laughs> right? It's essentially like there. There was actually an, uh, a Disney emoji blitz one, right? And so you buy these little bags or a little box, and you have no idea what's inside it, but you know it'll be one of these twenty characters, or one of these ten Lego characters, or one of these ten superheroes, or one of these Zoom Zooms, or, or whatever. Like every brand now has a blind box, and it's funny because. I think that there's a big difference between me buying you a an emoji blitz blind box as a present and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I wonder what I got to me spending five dollars and being like, oh, I really hope I get that new Mickey. I really hope I get that new Mickey. And then I open it and I don't get it. I think I think those those feelings are getting confused mm-hmm. in this conversation because some people enjoy it and some people don't. And it depends on the expectation. It depends on what you want. The whole idea of like, oh, you still get cherries. Like you still get the reward, quote unquote, reward of seeing cherries spinning on the thing. So you got something. That's not something. That's nothing. In, in all of these video games, for the, for, the, for the most part, the ones we're talking about now, you always get something. And some people keep trying because they want a specific something. And that goes to like a whole other level of the conversation, which is people who are willing to spend more money to get a very particular something. Like, let's say I'm really on a mission to get... Uh... So this actually happened. <laughs> so Emoji Blitz, I'm playing Disney Emoji Blitz, and there was one time where there were three characters in a diamond box, right? And I knew that I could, with a diamond box... So 
let me get let me get into specifics here. The way that Emoji Blitz does it is kind of um, they do they're all blind boxes, right? There's a silver one, and then you can get any one of the silver characters in it. There's a gold one, and you can get any one of the gold characters in it. And one and the gold costs more than the silver, so the things in the gold are more valuable. You can save up your coins to do that. But every now and then, there's a diamond box, super rare. But the odds there are much much lower. So it's usually anywhere between two to four, maybe five different characters that you can get guaranteed or almost guaranteed in a diamond box. So those are the most valuable, the most rare, and the currency for that is really expensive. So one time I used all my diamonds because I really wanted, there were two that I really wanted. It was Aurora from uh, Sleeping Beauty Mm -hmm. and there was the Sorcerer Mickey from Fantasia. Okay. I'm flipping out when these two came out. I was so excited. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to use some gems. I really, really wanted Aurora first, but I was, I was then hoping for Mickey. I didn't get it the first time. I got Prince Philip, which was the other option. Very disappointed. Used more gems. Got Prince Philip again. Oh, no. I was like, okay, the odds can't be this bad, right? Uh, uh, so, I mean, <laughs> so, so, so I went and I bought gems with real money so I could go and get... I was like, okay, I felt like I was closer to getting these two, but that's not the way randomness works. So then I do another one. I get Prince Philip again. Now I'm, I'm bothered. I'm, I'm more hesitant, but I'm also more determined. <laughs> so I went and I, I, I did it again because I still had, again, I bought gems, so I had some left over. Did it again. Got Prince Philip again. No. Yes. I got four oh. Prince Philips and I was, I was not happy. I was not happy at all. Now, anyone could argue, like, it's not like you didn't get anything. You still got something. I leveled up my Prince Philip every time I got a new one. So I always got some, which I think Disney Emoji Blitz is very smart about, right? <laughs> you can never say like, oh, man. So, so that, that is, even, even a repeat is, is worth something. And I did another one and finally got Aurora and I never got my Rainbow Mickey. My mom got Rainbow Mickey or, or Sorcerer Mickey on her first try. It was disheartening. It was a little painful, Ooh. and but but that is is kind of like if I would have gotten Mickey on the first time, I wouldn't have spent any money, and I wouldn't have had all those negative feelings about it. But kind of randomness is like that, right? The odds, if the odds are against you that day, um, it's going to bother you more than someone who got it on the first try, and. All of that adds to the excitement of a game. Like when I'm playing Destiny, everybody's getting drops all the time, right? These, these, um, they're called engrams in, in Destiny. And you don't know what they they come out and you don't know what they are. You have to go get them decrypted and then it's a surprise what's inside. When you're with your friends and everybody gets one, everybody gets something different. And sometimes you get something you really want or so you get something you didn't expect. And sometimes you're jealous that the other person got one. So it makes you want to play more. In, in general, all of those things are, are more positive feelings, right? But every now and then, I really, really want a Rainbow Mickey, and maybe I'll spend some money. Yeah, and I, I don't want to come across as saying that everything here is, you know, perfect rainbows and unicorns type of things. I mean, yes, these specific mechanics are designed to get you to, uh, to encourage you to, you know, either play more, invest more time in the game, or invest monetarily in a game, the same way that they post trailers and try to get you to buy the game. I mean, it's it's marketing. And I think every uh, pretty much every facet of capitalism does this. Like the idea that you want people to spend more time and more money in your with your product is um, just kind of a, a fact of, of where we live. 
the thing that I've seen pointed out was, you know, these this is gambling and it's targeted at children. And so, again, this this idea that, one, most of these, and I could be wrong, but I, I've, in my experience at least, most of these games that have that kind of uh, loot crate or drop tend to be M-rated or at least teen-rated. I, I can't think of um, any game that's rated E where you can actually pay money uh, a lot although, of mobile just, games are. A lot of mobile I was going to say, with the, with the exception yeah. of mobile games. Um, but then again, there's other, um, like, if your child is playing in a mobile game, there are limits that you can put on there to make sure that they can't spend money. And if they're that young, they shouldn't be spending, they shouldn't have access to that anyway. Sports games too, to- like NBA 2K18 and 17 and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's fair. But, I mean, t- to me, it's, it's it, it comes down a lot to this idea of, um, like, a legal versus moral issue. So, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't see anything illegal about what the games companies are doing. I'm sure you can make an argument that it's considered online gambling because, you know, the transaction is taking place over the Internet and crossing state lines. And that can cause a bunch of uh, legal issues if you wanted to frame it that way. I think I think within that conversation, the problem is if you went ahead and said, oh, yeah, well, I have a friend who spent. Uh, $10 on gems because he really wanted a uh, sorcerer Mickey and he couldn't control himself. Or maybe he went all the way to $100. And having, first of all, that's not true, uh, that I, I couldn't control myself. I, I wanted something, right? So there was a... a Supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but if, if I would have spent $100 or $1,000, most of the people doing that, one, can afford it. The fact that it's mostly children... I don't buy that because most of the people playing are adults. We know that. And most of the people with access to funds are adults. So if every now and then a kid steals uh, his parents' credit card or knows how to get into the, uh, you know, knows the password, parents have been bad with security and they access the the game and, and are able to buy stuff. Those are those are isolated incidents compared to the majority of people who are playing all of these games. There may be some games that are more egregious than others and make it uh, more easy. And there are definitely some games like my mom is playing. My mom loves emoji blitz, right? And and she puts money in it because she enjoys it. She can afford it. To her, if she if she spent as much on emoji blitz as my sister spends on Starbucks coffee, my mom would be unstoppable in emoji blitz, right? <laughs> it's like it's just she'll drop a couple dollars here and there. She's like, ooh, I really want that emoji. Ooh, I want this. Ooh, there's a bonus. Um, and and they do things where they play with the odds and all that stuff. But um, and emoji blitz is a pay to win, by the way, definitely. <laughs> uh, but you because of the leaderboards. But to 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 have these arguments where you're vilifying um, everybody for the actions of a few people and taking them out of context too. Because, so I sent you this one um, article about someone who, sp- who spent, I think, $19,000 on a game, right? And and those those examples of whales happen. And that person said that he couldn't control himself and things like that. But those are very isolated incidents with people who may have issues that that aren't only... Uh, that don't only occur with a mobile game. My mom plays a game that is just horrible because it starts up and every time, and I'm going to call that out, it's called Hidden City. It's a fun game, but every time you turn it on, it's like, hey, here's a deal. Hey, here's another deal. Hey, here's this. Hey, you should buy this. It's just like screen after screen of ways to spend money. And it is like really bad at making you, like it doesn't, none of it feels like fair. It's just like ugly. And my mom has been playing it for 
maybe a year. And now she's finally at a point where she's like, yeah, I think the only way to progress in this game now is to pay money. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to stop. And like, they just lost a customer. They're probably happy that, that, you know, she spent money in the past on it and she played it, but it's just like, it is aggressive in the way that it asks for money. And there may be games like that, but in general, most games, they're, they're not. And I I think with the gambling conversation, even even if it were to be decreed that these kinds of loot crates were gambling, um, you're setting aside the legal ramifications. Most people, the vast majority of people are able to gamble and not have a problem. Yes, there are always going to be extreme cases. There are people who have gambling disorders. Absolutely. But 99% of people don't. So, I mean, that, that to me is one of the, the strongest arguments against this idea that it's somehow bad or evil, or rather that it's more of a moral argument than an argument around legality or, or safety. You know, because the idea that gambling is a sin is, you know, very puritanical, very, you know, early American type of uh, type of thing. And obviously it's not terrible because I think gambling is allowed in, I think, like 40 of the 50 states, something like that, you know, whether it's on like Native American casinos or someplace like Atlantic City or, you know, Nevada, obviously, you know, but there's there's places that people go and and gamble and, and don't lose their lives. So I think it's an important takeaway that whenever there is some kind of new scary thing that's happening around games in particular, but, you know, technology in general, it's to take the extremes and use those as the norm. And so even if someone did spend an obscene amount of money, and I'm sure we're going to get a story about somebody who spent so much money on loot crates that they lost their house or they you know, got divorced or, or something like that. There's going to be- Sold a kidney. Sold a kidney. There's going to be some kind of sensational story, but that's what gets coverage. And the 99% of people who just enjoy playing, and I, I loved your Starbucks uh, association. You know, some people need their Starbucks to feel happy and to to get that bounce in their step, and it's part of their routine. And some people, it's dropping a buck into a mobile game, and and having fun. And I I think uh, I, another article I read was talking about, as always, oh the dopamine, like it hooks you with the dopamine. And all I could <laughs> think about was, man, has this person ever had a Kinder egg? Mm-hmm. Like Kinder eggs are these chocolate eggs that are hollow and there's some kind of toy inside. Wait, and speaking of illegal, now those are illegal in the States, aren't they? Well, yeah, they've never been allowed in the States because yeah. of the choking hazard. Um, but apparently European children aren't dumb enough to choke on them. So good job, Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the idea is that you get this egg and there's a mystery inside it. And so you don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get something, but you're going to get some kind of toy, but you don't know what it is. And then on top of that, then you eat the chocolate. Like, so if that is not, you know, does not make these dopamine bandwagoners freak out, like, I mean, not only are you getting the surprise, you're also getting a strong reward like chocolate. I don't know. I just I just thought it was really funny to imagine them rioting against Kinder Eggs um, because of the dopamine, which most people, most people who use that as an excuse don't actually even know what they're talking about. Yeah, the... The attacking the video games, I don't know why this is such an easy target now. I guess it's because a lot of gamers are probably angry about certain aspects. So other people are jumping on to to add to that conversation elements that the gamers really weren't talking about, right? Because how did we get from, hey, these loot boxes are super unfair to then in the same articles talking about loot boxes being gambling, right? And that's what's happening right now. 
It's very, very strange. People are taking advantage. And, and you know, you brought up um, collectible trading cards, uh, trading card games before. You, you open a pack, you have no idea what's inside. And I love that Magic the Gathering does these, um, if you go to a Friday Night Magic, I believe it's called, oh, what is the version of the game? There's a version of the game where I think you drop 20 bucks and then every player gets 10 packs or something like that. And then you open all of the packs and then you play with whatever cards you have. And it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's this uh, random aspect because you can also just pay money and collect your your cards and build this amazing deck that you're a pro at. Or you can have this really fun version where you play with whatever you have. It's like playing a fighting game and hitting the random character select, right? It's like, hey, it's fun. Add some variety. Um, it's you know less serious. Like all these aspects of of randomness and and surprise. Again, we could just keep we we could spend another hour just bringing up examples of how we like these things, <laughs> even if we have to pay for them. And and then that's okay. Like that doesn't if there's something you enjoy and it costs money, it doesn't automatically mean that it's bad for you or that it's going to be the end of times. Yeah, again, that that clinical portion of it. You know, are you is this is this extra money? Are you are you not eating? Are you, are you like, oh, what's going on? Is this is just spending money? Like, again, you would spend on coffee or you would spend on anything else, on renting a movie or, I don't know, a million other things or just buying some something at the bakery, right? Like, you don't need any of those things and you do them all because it's entertaining or it makes you feel good in whatever way that is, then it's, it's, the, same, it's the same thing. The odds thing, I, fi- I find this part really interesting where I forget what country it is said that you have to put the odds on the transaction, like have to be a part of it. So when you're going to drop that dollar or you're going to get that loot box, even if it's within game currency, it has to say you have a, like, I don't know, one in a thousand chance of getting a rare item or something like that, because somehow that makes it less bad. And it's funny because that's the way the lottery works. Like you can see in the lottery kind of what your odds are and and your odds are, are your odds are horrible. That doesn't really discourage anyone from playing the lottery. Yeah, I was the lottery is actually on my list of things that I wanted to talk about. That, yeah, talk about you it. know you talk about putting money into something with no guarantee of getting anything back. Um, you know, the lottery is a really good example. Or the uh, do you remember the McDonald's Monopoly game? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like every ticket is a winner, but it might be a fry instead of a Porsche. And so, again, I feel like this focus on games is more uh, not because of how how we think about gambling necessarily as, as legal or illegal, which seems to be the focus of a lot of these articles, but more as like a moral issue. And yeah. when you tie that into something that already has a lot of tension behind it in terms of morality, like video games, and then you add in the incorrect assumption that most games are played by children as opposed to, you know, fully functioning adults, I think you get kind of this this maelstrom of of moral panic around, you know, because it involves it involves children, it involves technology, and it involves um like the unknown. And those are three things that come together to create all kinds of 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 worry and concern. You know, to not to to, to make sure that we we address it clearly there are people with disorders where they have, they are either compulsive or there are some addictions. I'm not saying the video game addiction is a thing. I'm saying that there are people who have more difficulty with those things. And 
and yeah, I like sympathize with regulation. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I sympathize with that, and there are ways around that, and and I I'm not a fan of um, people who are like, well, you know, you just need to control yourself or, or things like that, because that's it's not that simple either. Nothing is 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 as black and white, and. Mm-hmm. But again, those are such isolated, not isolated, but the the percentage, right? Like like you said before, it's so it's so small. Yeah, it's true. That is some people's experience, but it's not the majority. And it's it's so funny because as we're having the conversation, I keep thinking, wow, these are people people are having parallel conversations, right? And trying to make it all one thing. And like to recap, Battlefront 2. EA apparently lost a lot of money, right? Um, its shares dropped a lot because of the bad press that this had. But it was really gamers who thought that's unfair and it's kind of dirty and it's messed up. And we're already paying $60 for a game and now you're putting all of these things into it that feel, you know, that that feel... Exploitative. Um, exploitative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's it's not cool. We don't, we don't like this. And that is one conversation. And all other conversation is, well... Can these things help you or not help you against other people, which then makes it less fun? Like I might complain because, hey, now to use Disney Emoji Blitz as an example, if my mom keeps spending money on that game, there's no way I'm ever going to beat her, right? <laughs> right? Because um, that that gives you an advantage. And, and those things make – there's two different sides to that. There's one where like I love being the, the winner. I love being ahead and I'm willing to pay to do that. And other people are going to say, well – that's not fair to me. I don't either have that much money or I'm I'm not willing to spend that much money or I don't want to. And I, I don't like that. Then there's the other one where it's like, well, I have no idea what I'm gonna what I'm gonna get. I wish I could just buy my stuff, but that's not like that's not an option. So you're complaining about something that never existed in the first place. Like Overwatch never gives you the option to buy uh, skins outright. And people want that. People would really like that. I would like that. There <laughs> right. But I can't deny that I also enjoy the loot box aspect. There's a whole other conversation about how, well, games are really expensive, and this is this is one way to keep games, um, to keep game development going and make more money. Whether it's EA getting just more money or or smaller studios getting a more fair wage, right, for the amount of work that they put into it, those are different conversations. The addiction uh, conversation is different. The gambling conversation is different. Like all these things have come together around loot boxes, and it's it's incredible. These should I think these should all be separate conversations. And again, I, I think we we tend to have a very um, I won't say that our opinions or views are necessarily objective um, because we obviously both really in, enjoy games. And you know. That said, I do think that the conversation that has started around, you know, our loot crates gambling, for example, I think that's an important conversation to have because I think it's a, it's a question that needs to be asked. Uh, you know, right now, I no, I don't think that it rises to that kind of level of legality or credulity or um, any anything like that. But that doesn't mean that maybe future iterations – might not have something um, that that might cross that line. And so I, I think having something that raises an eyebrow and then discussing it and evaluating it and having these really important conversations about ethics and, and morals and, you know, where do games fall in that is is critically important. So I just wish it wasn't done in such a sensationalized way. Like if, if you look it up, there's uh, on Google, if you just search for the EA Battlefront 2 controversy, you're going to get, this is wrong, and you're treating 
players like crap. And then on the other side, this is gambling. This is wrong. So, I mean, there's two really different experiences on on how this is being portrayed, but they're both uh, tend to be really extreme and there's nothing kind of more moderate like okay well why are they uh, yes they want money okay so but what can we do to moderate that you know what's an ethical way to deal with microtransactions or an ethical way to deal with you know kind of making people put in 181 days worth of gameplay to get the content like that to me seems uh not cool. I, I won't say unethical, but I, I will say that doesn't seem seem cool. Or, you know, trying to cast aspersions that, you know, this is gambling and our children and clutch all of our pearls and whatnot. You know, that's another extreme where if you took it a couple steps back and go, okay, well, what, you know, what are we objecting to about this? You know, gambling is not, you know, 100% illegal. It's not a problem for the vast majority of people who engage in it. So what is our huge holdup about this? And kind of taking a more reflective look at why we're having such a knee-jerk reaction to this and and what we can do to address it. I, I think it's just a really great opportunity to to think about those kinds of things. I think there's a lot of emotions involved on on every side of it. Lots and of feeling words, yes. Lots of feeling words. And I remember thinking, you know what, that game is free. I am gonna it's gonna stay free. I'm never gonna spend a dime on that thing. And it was like its own its own game, right? Me being able to play without uh spending any money. And over the past I would say over the past year, but especially the last six months, I've really come around on that and and been more open to it because I was it was like this I don't know what kind of objection it was, but it was deep. It was very deep <laughs> down in me and it was profound. And I was like, I'm not going to spend any money on a game, any additional money on a game. And that may have to do with like my feelings around money and, and how much I value one thing over another or how exploitative I felt that these things were. But then I've, I've changed. And again, like observing my mom has really made that different because she, she loves to play games now. And she plays games very differently than I did when I was, when, when, when I was a kid, for example, right, where I was just playing a game and there were no options for things like this. But then I thought about like going to the arcade and putting in another quarter or another dollar because I wanted to play a little more. And I didn't think that was bad back then, right? I mean, maybe it bothered me once I ran out of, you know, quarters or something like that. But I see my mom and she's like, oh no, if I do this, and it's like, it's part of her strategy. It's part of the game. And like she enjoys it so much that I started becoming more open to doing that. And I've started spending money on different games and I feel I feel okay about it and I think I don't think there's anything there's nothing good or bad either way right which is I think what people are are unable to remove from that part of the conversation and and I know I had a much stronger feeling before and and I've I've had conversations with lots of people where it's like oh no I would never I would never you know spend money um like extra money on a game or if it's free That's it's me. free yeah right so <laughs> so and and the reasons for for that might be might be a whole um other episode my point is that there's no there's no right or wrong answer. If you want right. to spend money on a game, that's cool. You do you. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a lot like our conversations around mental health that, you know, you do, you do you. And as long as it is not harming somebody else or harming yourself, which I, I think is what the, the games or gambling type of people are, are trying to go for is that this is harmful. Um, but yeah, as long as you're not, doing harm to yourself or others. I'm definitely a proponent of, you know, do you. And maybe if we destigmatized asking for help, 
maybe people would have an easier time asking for help. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, one one last comment, uh, which I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up differently than I originally thought. But um, when we talked about the coffee, right? Like you drink the coffee, it's done, right? It disappeared. It's no longer there. And I think that there is this perception that when you spend money on a digital game that many times it is. So sometimes you just buy extra time or an extra life. Sometimes you're buying digital goods, right? But these things are not, um, it's also, they, they could disappear at any moment because it's digital and it's kind of out of your control. I recently, uh, just a few months ago, a game launched on console called Marvel Heroes Omega. It was free to play, but then you could buy loot boxes and all this stuff. And the way they handled that, I thought was pretty good, but it still had all these loot boxes. So a couple of weeks ago, the company just shut down completely. And I had spent about between $20 and $30 on that game. And it was one of the first games where I thought, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support this developer. I like what they're doing. And I think, let me see what difference it makes if I spend money versus if I just play it free, right? Like, like what can I do here? And I really enjoyed my time in it. I really liked it a lot. And it was, it was such a strange feeling to, to see it disappear like that all of a sudden. And now that money that I spent is, is gone. But just in general, all these digital things, like that's something to keep in mind. They they can they come and go. They're there. It's it's kind of there for a little bit. You never know. Even but if your it's something, enjoyment persists. Like you're you're reflecting on it now, and you still are speaking about it about it fondly. So I mean that that's kind of the idea is that yeah, if you one bought way to look at it <laughs> a, a, a badge and you no longer have access to that badge, you know that is something that you put effort and you valued and you had that value taken away, which sucks. But you did enjoy your experience, and it sounds like that enjoyment lasted a lot longer than, say, a cup of coffee. It did. It did. Yep. And that's kind of the point that I – that's one of the points that I wanted to make. Yeah. Yeah. I was originally going to complain about it, but I'm like, you know what? After this conversation, it was was worth it. And I'm sad to see it go because I I still had more progress I wanted to make on my characters and use up the stuff that I bought, but I I didn't. And that's something to keep in mind. All this stuff – most of the stuff that you spend money on is not permanent. I mean, just I, I think we're trailing off here, but just to like, I guess, drive home the point that my Adobe uh, products are all in the cloud and I have the creative suite and I actually don't own a copy of Photoshop or Illustrator or of any of that. I almost like it's almost like I'm renting it. And so if Adobe ever was like, OK, all redheads are no longer allowed to use our products, you know, I, I would be I would be out and that would really suck. Um, but the, just that as an example of it's not just games that are using that paradigm. It's, you know, the more we get into cloud computing, um, you're, you're going to see that happen more and more. We've seen it with, uh, you know, movies, you know, whether you rent one online or if you buy it online, is it really always yours forever? And so that, those are some more interesting legal conversations to have um, about ownership and, and things like that. Um, but that's probably for another podcast. It sounds like your Adobe subscription meets the classic definition of gambling because you're risking something of value on an unknown outcome. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm addicted to <laughs> Adobe. Uh. See how this stuff gets mixed up? <laughs> Exactly. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> this is a good loot box conversation. I, I thought so. I'm not, I was pretty confident it would be, given our uh, extensive experience and expertise in the area of uh, enjoying loot boxes and at the same time being enraged by loot boxes. And so, avoiding loot boxes. And avoiding loot boxes. Uh, <laughs> I, I will dabble, but I, yeah, I, I'm of the I'm not spending money stance. 
uh, as, as like a principled thing, not, not a moral thing, but like, I don't need you. I don't need this. I can do it myself. I'm a strong, independent woman who don't need no loot crate. See, there's those emotion words in there. See, it's a charged uh, subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you for joining us on this episode of Headshots. And make sure to check out our Patreon. It's up, it's under it's at patreon.com slash geek therapy. As you know, geek therapy is the home of awesome podcasts, uh, including Headshots. And it's going to support things like keeping the lights on and helping us create more awesome content. So go uh, sub- or subscribe, support. You can do it for even as little as $1 a month. But go check it out, patreon.com slash geek therapy and uh, spread the geek love. Yeah, and get some cool exclusives, including oh, yeah. uh, extra podcasts. Our own loot boxes. <laughs> they are our own loot boxes. Because um, <laughs> you don't is, know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but you're going to get something. At this point, it is like a blind podcast. There is an extra podcast at a certain level. and uh, But when we do reach a an upcoming goal, we're going to start a monthly book club. So join, join, become a member, become a patron. Okay, and that is it for us this week. Visit us at headshotspodcast.com, at headshotscast on Twitter. Um, Join the Geek Therapy community Facebook group. It is very cool. We have a Discord server. Join the Geek Therapy clan in Destiny 2. It's still a thing. (laughs) And find us where all great podcasts are sold. Review, rate us, all those things. It's, It's... It all helps. It's all wonderful. Thank you for listening. And thank you for the wonderful feedback you guys give us every week. And we'll be back in two weeks. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com.